Hi, I'm Sarah, and you're listening to Weird Island. Each week, I'll be telling you about the strangest stories I can dig up from my tiny little state of Rhode Island. And this week, I was planning on bringing you a mini episode because my work week just got away from me, and also because there are going to be topics that just don't seem to justify a whole episode, but they're still interesting enough to cover. But it turns out maybe this wasn't one of those topics because I found a lot more to say than I was expecting. So instead of a mini episode, it's just a slightly shorter than average episode. So anyway, this week, I'll be answering the question, who is that guy on top of the state house dome? If you're looking at the state house from a distance and trying to figure out who's depicted in the statue that's on top of the dome, then you're probably approaching the answer rationally by thinking, who would you expect to be memorialized in a statue on the state house? Because you can't really see much from a distance. You're probably thinking it's Roger Williams, right? That kind of makes sense. I think that's what most people assume. And if not Roger Williams, then it's got to be some other famous political leader. But on closer inspection, here's what you'd see. A young man standing at 11 feet tall and weighing in at over 500 pounds. He's holding a spear in one hand and leans on an anchor with the other. And he wears nothing but a lion skin loincloth. Quahog.com describes him as a somewhat doughy looking fellow. But he's described as muscular in other places, so I guess it's up to your interpretation and standards. He's made of bronze, but is covered entirely in glimmering gold leaf. While no one knows exactly what Roger Williams actually looked like, nothing about this shouts Roger Williams. So who is it? Well, it's actually no one, or maybe everyone. The statue is known as the Independent Man, and he's not one single person, but is a representation of the independent spirit of Rhode Island and the original founders. Here's the thing though, you're not exactly wrong for thinking it's Roger Williams, because at one point, that's who it was supposed to be. At the annual meeting of the Rhode Island Historical Society in 1895, two directions for the statue were discussed. First, there was a proposal from McKim, Mead, and White the architecture firm who designed the state house. They imagined a female figure, classically styled in a Grecian dress or toga, standing with an anchor at her back. Her name was to be Hope, as a representation of the state's one-word motto. But the state house commission wanted it to be Roger Williams instead, and thus began the heated debate over the state house statue. Many sites state that the main point of contention was that no one actually knows what Roger Williams looks like. So how could they construct a statue of him? But that hasn't stopped others from trying. And it's thought that perhaps the architecture firm rejected the proposal because it wouldn't have been in keeping with the neoclassical design of the state house to have a man in colonial attire standing on the top. In other words, pantaloons were just not going to look good up there. At the end of the day, they decided to go with the Roger Williams approach, but it wouldn't be Williams, just an embodiment of the spirit of Williams, with a neoclassical look and feel. 
I wasn't able to find the source article, but Rhode Island Monthly states that a reporter wrote in an 1899 issue of the Providence Journal, just think of Roger without any clothes on, waving a spear and anchor. So really, he's like the store brand version of Roger Williams, the generic cola version. Like, they couldn't get the license to use his name because the likeness wasn't good enough, so they were like, we'll call him Independent Man. Everyone will know who we're actually talking about. So Independent Man, as we know him now, was designed by sculptor George T. Brewster and placed on top of the dome on December 18, 1899. But that's not the end, or really even the beginning, of his story. Because the Independent Man has been through some stuff. According to legend, the bronze used to create the Independent Man had a life before him. It's not mentioned on the State House site, but a handful of other sites and articles, including a 1976 article in the Newport Mercury, a 1994 article in the Bristol Sun Sentinel, and a 2014 Providence Journal article state that the bronze used came from a statue of Simone Bolivar that was once displayed in New York's Central Park. And that's kind of an interesting story. So the statue of Bolivar was designed by Rafael de la Cova, and it was a gift from the Venezuelan government to the United States. But it was a gift that went a little wrong. The statue, which depicted Bolivar on a horse, was completed and cast on June 18, 1883, but it wasn't installed in New York Central Park until one year later. When it was installed, it was welcomed with fanfare. A June 18, 1884 New York Times article describes the day, saying, Upward of 2,000 people witnessed the unveiling of the statue of General Simone Bolivar in Central Park yesterday afternoon, and most of them were obliged to stand patiently beneath the pelting rays of the sun while the ceremonies were in progress. As the people gathered and waited expectantly, the statue was hidden underneath a draped Venezuelan flag. Finally, it was time for the big reveal. The president of the park board spoke first, calling the statue not merely a work of art, but a tribute of esteem from a young Republic of South America to her sister in the North. Then the minister of Venezuela stepped to the front and addressed the crowd. Venezuela and her government and people trust that this bronze representing their mortal leader in her victorious struggle for liberty and independence, shall forever be preserved here and honored by this worthy city. As the speech ended, a band played a medley of Venezuelan national airs, a salute of 21 guns thundered from the warships in the Hudson, and as the flags dropped from the statue, the crowd exclaimed, Aww, he's ugly. Okay, so that is absolutely not what they said, but it's definitely how people felt. In reality, as the flags dropped off, the crowd cheered. But after the ceremony had ended and the dust had settled, it became clear that the statue wasn't exactly attractive. The piece was hailed not as a masterpiece, but as a monster piece. And the New York Times would later write, Almost from the moment of its erection, it became the object of ridicule. Eventually, the president of Venezuela had to agree, and a replacement statue was commissioned in 1896. 
Statue number two was completed two years later in 1898, but it wasn't quite right either. The New York Times wrote, it still falls short of the high standard to which it is now properly felt any future statues or monuments in our public parks should conform. But while they never actually put up statue number two, they did take down the first statue around that time. And the pedestal on which it stood was unoccupied until 1921, when the Venezuelan government held an open competition to select the artist who would create statue number three. And statue three was a winner. It's still there in Central Park today. But where did statue number one go? Well, some of the articles on the Bolivar statues suggest it was hidden away somewhere by New York's Municipal Art Commission for years. Alternatively, the Wikipedia page of the artist, Rafael de la Cova, states that it was dismantled because it was very deteriorated. There was no mention of it being ugly, of course. But there are also rumors that it was donated to the Gorham Foundry, who melted the statue and used the bronze medal to cast the independent man. So perhaps the raw materials went through quite the journey to get there on top of the state house. And once they were all together in their final form, they continued to face some interesting adventures. In 1927, the independent man was struck with lightning and the damage was so serious, he had to be repaired with copper staples. They did the job for a while until 1951 when repairs had to be completed again. He wasn't removed to undergo surgery. He stayed up there on the state house for 76 years. But in 1975, it was decided that the independent man would make his way to the ground for more comprehensive care. He was going to be repaired and regilt for the bicentennial celebration. And it would be expensive, requiring a $25,000 grant from the Rhode Island Bicentennial of Independence Commission but it would be worth it for the PR. And also the volunteer chairman of the commission finagled a job for his friend out of the deal. So the commission provided the grant and the independent man was delivered to the Paul King Foundry in Johnston for surgery. And during repairs, the foundry also did some casting of the statue's face. Later, a reproduced bronze cast of the statue's head was created and raffled off and the family who won it donated it to URI, where it's on display today. Once repairs were complete, the owner of the Warwick Mall suggested perhaps Rhode Islanders would like to get a good look at the statue, considering how small it usually looks up on top of the State House dome. And what better place to set him up for visits than the mall? The commission agreed, and funds for repairs were recouped by charging visitors for photos with the independent man. But his visit was cut short. Other mall owners complained that the state had given the Warwick Mall an unfair advantage by installing the independent man, and they brought a lawsuit over it. So on July 20th, 1976, the independent man was reinstated by helicopter in his rightful place on the state house roof, and he hasn't been taken down since. He had his one chance to gallivant around the city, and now he's back presiding over the city of Providence. In the 90s, the Warwick Mall installed a replica of the statue outside the food court to harken back to the time when the real independent man had graced mallgoers with his presence. 
I wonder if most people know who or what the statue is. Because truthfully, I never really took a good look at what the statue looked like until now. To me, it just looked like a sponge of gold up on the state house roof, and you could have told me it was anything, really. But I did find out somewhere along the line, probably from my dad, that it was called the Independent Man, and to be completely honest, I was a little disappointed by the name. Disappointed to find out it wasn't someone specific, someone with a story. That's why I was a little surprised to find out that I actually enjoyed learning a little bit about the statue and the adventures and the thoughts that went into its styling and subject matter. And I'm sure it's seen a lot from up there that I could never read about. So what does a statue represent? Well, according to the State House site, it's a symbol of the independent spirit and initiative which led Roger Williams to settle in Rhode Island in his search for freedom of worship. The independent man stands watch over our state capital and reminds Rhode Islanders that it's important to stand up for your beliefs. It represents men and women, young and old, times past and present. It's a little general, but it's also kind of cool the notion that the root of our state's identity is all about valuing your ideas and your beliefs, your unique and diverse perspectives, backgrounds, opinions, no matter who you are or where you're from. And where's the independent man from? Well, he's got a little bit of Greek heritage from the aesthetic considerations that were made toward his styling, and a little bit of English heritage from Roger Williams, and a little bit of Latino heritage from the Boulevard statue. So maybe he represents independence, but the kind of independence and power and unique perspective we can have as a state when we all bring our voices together. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, share it with your family and friends, or leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a topic you'd like to hear about, whether it's a full-length episode, a mini-episode, a question, whatever it is, you can email me at weirdrhodeisland at gmail.com. See you next week as we dig up more stories about all things weird and wonderful in the little state of Rhode Island. Until next time.